Hello ninjas and ninjas, and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. This show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales from your website. My name's Tim, I'm the host. I run Exposure Ninja, which is a digital marketing agency, and I'm the UK's best-selling digital marketing author. In this episode, I am joined by Daniel Seiden from Lightvert. Lightvert is an awesome new outdoor marketing technology, which basically creates these super huge digital billboards, which you can only see in your eye. They don't actually exist. It sounds crazy. Daniel's going to explain a bit more. But the reason I brought him on the show is that we wanted to ask him about his ridiculously successful crowdfunding campaign and how he did the marketing behind it. Now, Daniel's got one of those challenges, which we can sometimes be very glad that we don't have, which is that he has to sell a brand new idea to people who aren't necessarily looking for it. So he's got to not only explain the technology behind Lightvert to people, but also explain why it's a good investment case. So it's quite a tricky marketing proposition. And he's got some really great insights around social proof, how you build up credibility behind a new idea, and also how you build your tribe, how you build that fan base, so that when the crowdfunding campaign goes live, you make sure that you get a really good response. So hope you enjoy the episode. And without further ado, here's Daniel Seidem. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. So you are the founder of Lightvert and you have an awesome product called Echo. Perhaps before we get started, you could tell us a bit about what Lightvert is and how you guys make money. Sure. Uh, Lightvert's a digital outdoor media technology company. And we specialize in augmented reality technologies, but we approach it from a bit of a different angle than you know how people normally picture augmented reality. So the best way to explain that is with our, our first product, which is called Echo. And Echo is a, a hyperscale outdoor display technology. So it's like digital billboards, but really not at all like you know digital billboards. Echo is what's technically referred to as a persistence of vision display technology. And I promise this won't get too tricky to understand, but persistence of vision is a phenomenon in the human eye where when you look at any bright light and then you look away, you see a ghost of that bright light for just a moment. And we use that phenomenon to literally print an image in the viewer's retina column by column. So our hardware consists of just a single thin vertical line of light that's mounted on a building or a temporary structure, measures about 200 millimeters wide and, and up to right now up to 35 meters tall. But by the end of this year, we think we're going to be exceeding 75 meters in height. And what the system does is it takes a digital image and breaks it into vertical columns of pixel data and then blinks out each column sequentially. So when the viewer just looks at the display, just stares at it, all they see is a shimmering line of light. But as their eye looks to the left or looks to the right, and that's called a saccade eye movement, and you do those 7,000 times every hour without thinking, our system literally prints each column of pixel data in a new location on your retina because your eye is moving. And that's how the viewer then perceives the image for what feels like a tenth to a quarter of a second before it disappears. So our echo display is quite literally a very, very large scale digital display that creates image impressions to the viewer. It just gives quick impressions in the viewer's eye of an image. And so it's quite a compelling piece of technology because it engages people very differently. And that is incredibly exciting. It creates all sorts of interesting experiential opportunities, but also because it has such a small footprint and such a large scale, 
you know, we can create some really powerful experiences and we can place those experiences in locations where traditional poster and screen media just can't go because poster and screen media is really big and cumbersome. So in order to get Lightvert, and Echo is the name of the product, isn't it? So in order to get Echo where it is now, you guys had to secure some funding and you did this um, You did this through a grant, was it initially? And then you went to Crowdcube, is that right? That's exactly it, yeah. We, we originally, uh, we were very fortunate to have won £250,000 grant from Innovate UK. Uh, so it's a government grant. And while that is quite a large amount of money, it, it is contingent upon match funding. And, you know, for a hardware technology startup like us, that's a pretty small ecosystem of people that are willing to fund seed or pre-seed hardware technology. And so we went to the crowdfunding route with Crowdcube and had a, you know, uh, it was very hard work, but, you know, we were very fortunate to have a, a rather large successful raise there. So in the episode today, I want to kind of get behind the scenes with you of, of that campaign and how you managed to raise so much money. But perhaps first you could tell us about exactly how much you raised and why you opted for Crowdcube specifically against other crowdfunding platforms, but also against other methods of funding. So why did you not go out to you know VCs or, or whatever? Well, to answer your last question first, the ecosystem for us we learned quite quickly that it's a lot smaller than we thought it was. You know, I had never been involved in a technology startup before. All of my, my previous company was a service-based company and, and we were able to organically grow. We didn't have to raise funds. And this time through, uh, my business partner, although he comes from a corporate finance background, also hasn't been involved in seed stage technology startup. So, you know, we did take a good hard look at the venture capital route and quite quickly found that the venture part of venture capital is is not so adventurous. Uh, <laughs> they really do like things that are set to grow and already underway. Um, they Very few of them will invest in hardware seed stage businesses. Software, maybe. There are more of them there, but not hardware. And so really, it limits your opportunities. You either have to find a strategic investor or you have to go to the crowd or both, uh, or you find your money through grant funding. So you guys went to... Crowdcube, and I can see on your page now you're very overfunded. You're at 763k, which looks like a fantastic success. But you say that was it was fairly hard work, was it? It was hard work. It it, it definitely was. I mean, we we were raising a pretty large round in 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 terms of Crowdcube statistics, and we had a, a relatively low amount of. Uh, committed funding at the launch of the campaign. So one of the one of the single largest metrics that that defines the potential for success in crowdfunding is how much money you have committed on day one of the campaign because it's very much a momentum based investment platform. People like to follow the momentum with their money. We fully were ready with uh, I think it was thirty five percent, which is you know a good starting point uh, according to Crowdcube for uh, commitment on day one. And then a, a big one of those investors dropped out, dropping us down to more like, you know, 15%. And so that was a, a tough blow on day one, but we fought hard and we managed, you know, through very, very successful marketing campaign with some, some great help from, uh, from a few different companies, we were able to, to close the round. Awesome. So let's talk about that marketing campaign then. So I guess one of the first things and kind of central to the success of any crowdfunding campaign is the pitch. Now, when I asked you, I was really interested to see how you would explain Echo because it's kind of like a big 
digital billboard that appears in the air and it's it's quite a complicated thing to to kind of get across isn't it and you were really super well rehearsed so uh, i mean firstly how do you get that message communicated on a landing page like that when this is such an experiential thing like the videos show people completely amazed when they see it but you've got to try and replicate that experience and make a business case on that landing page so uh, like how do you do that obviously video is one way i suppose yeah absolutely and I mean, there's, there's a number of ways. It, it is, you know, about really thinking about the human side of what your offer is. So, you know, in our case, for our market, it is very much about experience. You know, what is the experience that our technology delivers? How is it better? Is it faster? Is it cheaper? Is it, you know, a wow experience? Is it emotional? And so, you know, specifically with our industry, which is, which is outdoor media and advertising, you know, there is a very, very strong focus on, on what they call engagement. And everyone in that industry knows that, you know, engagement is very much driven by emotion. And so, if, you know, we, we focus on those sort of keywords and those key uh, pieces of communication. So, you know, on our website, we, we talk about engagement, we talk about experience, and we show lots of video of people engaging and having an experience. And that's, that really gets to our customers, our, our audience, because we, we've identified over a period of time that that's what matters. But, but with regards to the crowdfunding bit, it's a very different set of interests for that audience. They're not necessarily experts in our industry. What they're experts in is you know, doing their best to put their money where they think it is best placed. And so that was very much about you know, um, a few things. We had to build trust with them for our team, for our idea, and also build trust through essentially lots of, lots of um, supporting statements and interviews with people in our industry. So we did a few things. You know, we worked with a company called Tribe First, which is a brilliant company. And anyone who's going down the crowdfunding route, I would highly recommend that you look them up and get in touch with them. Uh, they helped us to organize, manage, and uh, implement our communications program uh, around the crowdfunding campaign. They have a, a few people that really helped get our story into the press, not only just craft our story, of course, but get it into the press. And we were quite fortunate in that they were very good. And we also had a very compelling story. Our technology is changing the nature of the city skyline, whatever city you're in. And, and people find that very interesting, luckily for us. So we, we had huge exposure. I mean, we were on BBC Click, we were on BBC News, we were on um, the front page, or no, sorry, page three of the Times. Uh, we also had an editorial in the Times. You know, we had lots of exposure around this story. Some of it good, some of it bad, but, you know, the bad stuff really actually isn't that bad. It, it's, it's, it, it creates debate, which is what you want. You know, you want people talking about what you're doing. So we had a really good team and great result, but beyond just the, the press, the public facing, you know, broadsheets and news and television and podcasts and things. It's really about helping investors uh, who some of them may be in your country, some of them may be very far away, helping them to get to know you, get to know your team, and get to know other experts that are in your industry that believe that what you're doing is good. So we would host webcasts, you know, at lunchtime. So if people were at their jobs, they could just take a little lunch break and they could watch a live webcast and, and put in questions to us about certain aspects of our business that are quite critical, like our route to market or our technology. 
And that helped them to not only get to know me and get to know my co-founder, Mike Wellings, but also to get to know some of the people in the industry that were vouching for us. You know, we would do these interviews with, you know, planning permission experts from Cushman and Wakefield, or we would do them with, you know, experts from, you know, WPP or Kinetic uh, who liked what we're doing. And it just helps build credibility. One of the biggest things we learned is that people don't really like to read very much. They really would rather watch a video. They'd rather watch a one-minute video and ideally a 30-second video. And so anything that is really critical to driving engagement, you should try and do it through video or a live webcast, which can be recorded and then watched later if someone couldn't, couldn't catch it, something like that. Hey guys, Tim here. If you want some help with your digital marketing, whether you need to generate more traffic to your website, you want to improve its conversion rate to generate more leads and sales, or you want to improve your ranking, then I want to tell you about some free help that's available from my company, Exposure Ninja. We do something called a free website and marketing review, which is a 20 minute video that we'll record for you showing you how to improve your website's visibility in search, how to make use of Google AdWords, and also we'll show you what your competitors are doing to generate traffic to their sites as well. We'll also give you feedback about the layout and the messaging on your pages so that you can convert more of your traffic into leads and sales. It's completely free of charge, there's no obligation at all and it's fantastic. If you go to our Facebook page, you'll see that we've had over 255 star reviews for this service, so it's genuinely awesome. And you can go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review, that's ExposureNinja.com forward slash review to request your free review today. I love that. That's kind of counter to what you'd normally expect, wouldn't it? You think if it's really important, then you want to make sure it's in some text because people might not watch the video, but you're actually saying the opposite. No, absolutely the opposite. You know, we, we had a 120 page business plan. I would venture to say that no one read it. <laughs> you know, what people really keyed into is our website, which had nice little, you know, short paragraphs and images and they keyed into our video and they keyed into our webcasts. Uh, and, you know, we eventually had to distill the business plan down to a 20 page, you know, PDF of essentially infographics because <laughs> you couldn't even use the words. You had to use the pictures. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's very difficult to for, for people to spend time with a, a big chunk of reading. You know, they have other things to do. So you got to make it easy. And that's hard work. <laughs> Sure is. Yeah. So one of the things that is coming across is the importance of social proof, whether that's nobody wants to be necessarily the first person to invest in an idea, or I guess people also wanting to shortcut the research process by listening to a recognized authority and, and credible expert say, this is good. So they kind of remove a bit of the risk for themselves. So how did you start getting on these people's radars? How did you collect your, your group of experts? We're again, we're a bit fortunate here in that in our industry, outdoor media, there's not actually a huge amount of technology innovation. You know, we're a bit unreformed when compared to, for example, mobile advertising or on web advertising. You know, outdoor media is still largely predicated on, you know, posters and print, and digital is rapidly growing. Um, but uh, you know, it's still screens and billboards outdoors that are still sold in the same way where they were sold when they were print. And so there's a hunger in our industry for technology. It's not to say that, you know, everyone's going to drop what they're doing and, and run with the next great mousetrap that's built, but there is a hunger there for it. And so, you know, when we approach people, we're fortunate in that they were 
mostly willing to, you know, give us a meeting or two uh, or introduce us to people and, you know, have a chat. So, you know, it was really just cold calling and, you know, working our own network. Certainly, you know, now thinking back and remembering uh, those days, which weren't that long ago, a year and a half ago or so, when we were really just setting up and preparing for the raise, you know, our personal network was just so valuable. And, and we, you know, you have people, lots of people in your, in your address book that really you don't think will be able to help you in any way. But the fact of the matter is each one of those people probably has someone that could help you. And so all of a sudden the network effect really builds up. And if you, you know, hound your friends and if they really are your friends, you know, they'll introduce you to someone that could maybe help you out a little bit. And, um, and my business partner, Mike, you know, had a very, very useful network as well. And so really we built it up out of that. And there were a few very valuable cold calls as well, you know, just chancing it and hoping that um, the person on the other end was going to take as much of an interest in us as, as we need them to. But, but really, uh, your own personal network is, is valuable. I've learned massively over this last year and a half the importance of building and maintaining relationships uh, for, this, for this reason, and among others. You spoke about the webcasts and, and how important they were. So how were you driving traffic to, to these webcasts? Was this from the email list that you were building? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, once you engage in the CrowdCube campaign through their platform or any of the platforms of the crowdfunding uh, platforms, you will receive a huge amount of messages and interest from potential investors and you through that platform can communicate directly with them. So, you know, you don't have their direct emails necessarily, but through the platform, you can reach all of them. And, uh, and your goal of course, is to get their emails because once you have their emails, then you have a direct line and having a direct line is valuable, not just for the purposes of that raise, but also after the raise, even whether they invested or not. You know, we set up a website which was, you know, which was really designed to capture interest. Yeah, you know, and and that allowed us to have direct communication with them. And it was about building up that marketing list, whether it was, you know, through the CrowdCube platform or the the data that we collected through our website. And you know, if I have one regret uh, looking back on it, it's that I wish I would have started capturing data like that much earlier. You know, uh, most of us have been working on our entrepreneurial ideas for, you know, at least a year, maybe two years or even more before you actually do your first raise. And I wish someone had told me, you know, start capturing the data now, because it'll be very useful. Everyone who expresses an interest is a potential investor or someone who knows a potential investor. So it's, um, it's a very useful thing to, to make a habit of. How did you use that network as the as soon as the campaign went live? I guess lots of people think that that is the, you know, as soon as the page is up, then they're kind of done really. And then the marketing piece is over. But I'm guessing that you really focused on building momentum through your network. So once the page was up and, and the campaign was off and running, how did you make sure that people were continuing to, to come onto that page? Yeah, every, by all means necessary. Um, <laughs> uh, momentum is just such a, an important thing to maintain in a crowdfunding raise and momentum. Ultimately, you know, you want momentum to show in the measure of how many, how much investment you've received and how many people have invested, you know, in order to drive that metric, you need to show constant progress, constant opportunity for people to engage. You know, you need to keep giving people the candy so that they keep hanging out and, 
and keep an interest in you. So, you know, we do public demos in London. We would do the web podcasts. We would do, you know, interviews like this one, you know, completely independent uh, video interviews of different members of the team. You know, we would show people our supply chain and interview people in our supply chain and, uh, and, you know, release more images along the way. And really it was just anything and everything. It all ultimately needs to result in someone you know, putting in 10 pounds or more, which is the minimum investment on, on Crowdcube. We're constantly driving people towards that, but there's a particular challenge with crowdfunding, which is a, um, a legal challenge where you're, you're not allowed to uh, be financial, you're not allowed to do financial promotion unless you are a qualified financial advisor. And so, you know, there's, there's real caution around that on the Crowdcube platform, especially but you also need to be somewhat aware of that in person and through your email marketing. So it's a, it's a bit of a tricky balance because you know, you're the entrepreneur and you're wanting to just yell as loud as you can, invest in my company. You know, <laughs> a great chance for a big rate of return. You can't legally do that in, in certain situations. So it's, um, it's a bit tricky. And that was a tough one for me to wrap my head around because you know, you just, obviously we believe in our causes so much and you want other yeah. people too, but uh, but you you do have to bite your lip sometimes. I'm curious. It sounds like you were really going absolute crazy. Any way you could possibly promote it, was there anything that you did which you thought was going to be an absolute home run, but it ended up being a complete waste of time? I have very little faith in in Twitter. Maybe I just haven't seen it in the right way. But it seems to me it's bots advertising to bots and very little engagement. You know, occasionally there's a gem on there, but my God, you really got to play the numbers on that. You really have to somehow do some kind of automated mass something in order to get your message through that black hole that is Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith in using Twitter for, for anything like that. I think if you want to, you know, Twitter is actually pretty useful for if you want to have a one-on-one -on -one engagement with a brand. A lot of brands are actually quite cool at, at really being quite personal and engaging with you, assuming it's not a bot on the other end, which is getting harder to tell. But, um, you know, you can tweet at BA and, and BA will tweet back at you. Um, and, and that's kind of interesting. But when you're trying to find, particularly for crowdfunding, people that are interested, you know, you're trying to drive investment interest, it's just, it's just not really the right platform for it. So I think that, you know, time probably, I don't think we spent a huge amount of time there, but uh, the time we did spend really didn't feel particularly fruitful. Yeah, that's interesting. That echoes what, what we tend to find as well. Quite, I mean, it, great for personal branding, but quite difficult to motivate people to buy or convert over Twitter, really. It's more of a relationship media, isn't it, I think? Yeah, yeah. It's great for research purposes as well. I mean, when you want to look into something, you can look at their tweet history, but you, you don't go to Twitter to make a purchase decision. It feels like an investment decision. <laughs> I think that would be a very bad idea. So yeah, it wasn't the right tool for the job, I think. We're going to finish now with a couple of quick fire questions. So let's say that you were going back and you had to do this whole thing again, raising all the money. If you could pick one marketing channel to use above all else, what would it be? The best marketing channel from the point of view of, I mean, aside from the campaign platform itself, because if you have momentum, they use their social media connections to promote you and their newsletters to promote you. And if you have momentum, truthfully, the campaign marketing platform itself is probably the best marketing platform. But outside of having momentum, 
to me, it, it's very much um, email distribution, shortly followed by LinkedIn. Interesting. So it's the personal connection, really, personal communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say again, you were going back to the beginning, but this time you had unlimited marketing budget. What's the first thing that comes to mind that you would do to raise awareness about uh, Live Vert Echo? Oh, man, that's fun. Um, I know, right? <laughs> I had unlimited marketing budget. You know, I'm, I'm always really impressed, actually, with what these various ICOs are doing right now. I mean, it, it, there was a, you know, just a few months back, it feels like it's calmed down a bit. But for a while there, you know, six months ago, there was such a whirlwind of Facebook advertising and LinkedIn advertising around ICOs. And I think it was actually quite effective. You know, I never invested in any of them because I don't believe that they're a very uh, viable means for investment, very risky. But I was really persuaded by their marketing efforts for a couple in particular. And I don't know how much they spend, but I found it really compelling. So that was really, I guess, Facebook ads and uh, LinkedIn ads specifically. Yeah, it's really interesting, that whole kind of subculture that popped up very quickly. And it seems to, like you say, it seems to have died down quite a lot. But it seems relatively easy for people to build a lot of authority super quickly, I guess, because it was such a new thing. It was relatively easy to appear as, as one of the, the main authorities in that space. But um, there was the cachet of the whole ICO concept that goes with it. But, you know, the means by which they were driving the investment through these ads, I thought it was really quite professionally done. You know, it came with a, it came usually with a white paper. I thought the ads were well written and well targeted. And, you know, it, it nearly, it, I clicked on a few of them, which I normally never, ever do. I normally <laughs> never click on a single ad, but uh, I definitely went into a few of them and looked closer because I just thought, wow, you know, it's, it's an interesting way to, to find potentially interesting investments. Final question. We're going to go back to day one. Mm-hmm. If you starting like that, if you could give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Yeah, it, it would definitely be make a video about it. Whatever it is, make a video about it. You know, back to this whole thing about if there is one, if anyone has a stumbling block around your idea, if you get any feedback around someone saying, oh yeah, I like this, but I'm not so sure about this, make a video about it and get someone else to vouch for it, not just you. You know, you need ambassadors. And you need those ambassadors as much as possible to go on record saying it. And because that just speaks volumes and it, null, it nullifies the issue. You know, if someone says, yeah, I'm just not so convinced your technology will work. Well, well you know, find a professor who studies this at a university somewhere and have a little 30 minute chat around the technology. He, he, the, the individual doesn't need to explicitly endorse yours, but you can talk around the tech. You can talk, you know, around where it's headed, why it's headed there, the pace that it's going at. And you can talk about what you're doing and they can talk a bit about what they're doing. And all of a sudden there's an association and a value proposition there. And, and it just nullifies it. it. It lets, like you said earlier, it lets people really f- feel like they've done their own research and actually yeah. research. So, and they can get all of that in, in a quick video. Yeah, I love that. Shortcuts are massive credibility. Daniel, this has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much. How can people find out about you and Lightvert? Sure. Well, you can uh, go to uh, www.lightvert.com, L-I-G-H-T-V-E-R-T.com. And you can find me uh, at Twitter. It's at Daniel Seiden, uh, D-A-N-I-E-L-S-I-D-E-N. Lovely stuff. We'll link up those in the show notes as well. So that's at ExposureNinja.com forward slash episode 104. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. No worries. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. 